Welcome to the Becoming Whole podcast. I am your host, Karima Eames, a holistic therapist, author, and passionate seeker of truth. For the past 34 years, I've been working with people on inner transformation. I've taken my learnings and written a new book, Becoming Whole, The Art of Inner Transformation. This book is packed with tried and tested tools and stories. And now in this podcast, we'll explore real-life client examples and how they have applied these tools to transform their lives. Come and join me if you would like to learn how to transform your life too. My guest today is Anthony Hughes. He is 42 years old, a full-time musician, singer, songwriter, DJ and MC. He used to own a bar and has an environmental science degree. He is a passionate surfer and recently got married. Anthony has been a client of mine for 15 years. Hi, Anthony. I'm looking forward to speaking with you and sharing your insights and very unique voice with our listeners. Welcome to my podcast. We have talked about doing an interview for about three years when I was in the process of writing the book, and I always wanted to get an interview with you out, and I didn't know at that time in what, which form this would happen, and I finally found the right medium, a podcast. So very, very warm welcome. Thank you. It's, it's, it's amazing to be um, asked. And yeah, we definitely um, talked about having an interview and, and um, it's, it's great. We've got this platform. Yeah, I'm looking forward to whatever's going to happen today. So are you okay to share a little bit what made you originally interested in even doing work or coming to sessions? What got you started? Uh, well, in a work... I think was just a natural curiosity. I was drawn to it as I was drawn to external things, um, uh, you know, environmental science. I think I always had a bigger question. The smaller details didn't interest me. I think one of the reasons I was drawn to environmental science was because growing up, I felt something in the Catholic church, but then kind of the, the, the dogma dogmatic role. I was an altar boy with that, but the dogma sort of got in the way and then it didn't really add up as I got to the age of reason. But then I think I explored the things which tried to explain the unexplainable. And then slowly but surely, I found, uh, you know, an inner world, um, really drawn to a lot of the, um, all the world's religions I ended up reading living in an, uh, I lived in a, um, in Syria in a, in a Catholic uh, monastery for a little bit. Um, and, and, but I, I read the, you know, all the Buddhist texts and Hindu, Zarathustrianism, everything. Uh, and I traveled through, um, as I traveled, but even, so it was always a big, the bigger questions were, were important how to earn money and make a living in the world was a small blip on the the bigger uh questions and um yeah and then realizing the interconnectedness of everything i, I really fell in love with a lot of um roomy stuff with um um uh the the mysticism of islam the sufis 
um, stuff was, was was brilliant and I found that whilst I was living in Turkey and Syria um, I actually came back to really enjoying the, the Christian texts whilst in a Muslim country in a monastery in Syria as you do um, but yeah it's 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 a, a natural curiosity I think and, and also the science part I think plays into the inner realm the inner outer realm which you know has sort of come about uh, in, in lots of different books sort of in recent times but yeah that's great that you're mentioning curiosity i think that's one of the core qualities in people who are looking for truth for answers and finding eventually through those through those questions we find the inner world so thanks for sharing that mm. Do you have a few important moments of doing your inner work that are standing out for you? Oh, definitely. The first time that we met uh, for a session, uh, you said something which I immediately recognized as truth that I'd never heard before in my, and it was, um, we recreate our childhood traumas as a way to release that trapped energy there. It's a way to, close the cycle um and that piece of wisdom has come up so many different times and um you know i always believe that there was a perfection to the unfolding um everything happens for a reason however you want to say it um and i could see that working in my life but that when I realized that that was the place to look or that was the place to when uncomfortable feelings came up, a lot of the times it was closing those loops. Um, and th th there have been specific seasons in my life, which this season seems to be dedicated to dealing with this certain relationship with from your past or this certain moment or that trauma, which sort of got stuck, kept on replaying. Because I'd already recognized that I had. Yeah, I want to uh, add something to that. That's very true. We can work like, for example, with what you mean as a season, how I understand that it could be with one parent and then the other parent or a sibling. or And then you work through all the issues related to that family member, for example, which takes a period of time to work through everything. And then at some point that's complete and then it goes to another sibling or family member and then you work through all of that so if i i understand you right that's what you mean with seasons 100 that's literally how it happened for me it was one relationship really recreated the connection and dynamic with my mother at one stage mm. and that whole was and then the next you know relationship um for those next few years was very much recreating a dynamic with my father And earlier, another dynamic was with my brother, which was the one where I, I found you because that was quite um, painful. And I felt quite confused after mm. having quite an inviting moment a couple of years before. I, I attracted a, a, a season which was successful and then it got darker and darker and, and confusing and I felt completely lost from you know, if I think it, I can be it. Everything's amazing. Um, and then very quickly it was like, well, 
it's very improbable, and I believe that this is where I was supposed to be, that this amazing, um, when I was working in television, I was a TV producer, and it was just woke up every day and thought, this is what I'm going to do. And then the same time, and then I, I was, I was, I was working in, um, as a, a music television producer. It's a very rare role. It was beautiful. It was fantastic. I loved it. And it was very improbable uh, for me to have got this. Um, the same time, I also attracted a relationship which was quite difficult and quite destructive, and, and the patterns were very much um, played into a dynamic with my older brother as my younger self. Um, he and I were fine as adults, but when we were younger, where the, 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 the patterns got set, I was recreating uh, that dynamic, and it was quite... Um, as an adult, very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, it brought up all of those feelings and I had to take responsibility for what I was attracting. And that was a, also an aha moment because I was like, well, if my thoughts are creating and attracting this thing because I'm thinking them, I can't. And the universe is giving me what I believe that I'm thinking about myself and what I can be. And then it's also, I can't then play victim to quite a destructive relationship, which I'm also attractive. So what am I missing? And as I was asking that question, I found you. And you were like, we recreate our childhood traumas. And I was like, oh, that's why this feels like me as a younger brother. Mm, that's such an important part, what you're sharing there. And also that we can heal all of it if we take responsibility, which is what I hear and what you're describing. You took responsibility. You stopped being the victim of the past. You said, okay, what can I do here? Let's heal. And that's what you've done. Hmm. Beautiful. And each time I come back to something, that's, and that's exactly, yeah, take, taking responsibility, I think that's a, another aha moment and a real distillation of, uh, my inner truth is that take responsibility for your own reactions and own emotions at all points of time. Very easy to say, very difficult at certain yes. times to be that guy who cut you off in traffic. You know, it's like, well, you're reacting to it or whatever it is. Um, they're triggered. So if you can see yourself, and sometimes there's a real energetic charge. Mm. And reaction something like that seems quite over the top for something quite mild or other people wouldn't be upset by that okay it's time to look in why am i reacting like that okay is there anything for a past actually that reminds me of this thing which is not finished <laughs> beautiful what you're describing there that's exactly how it works when we have a strong reaction or what i call a charge in the now there is usually something from the past that's triggered that needs attention. And then we do the work, take responsibility, and then we change and are more. I actually love to break the word responsibility down into the ability to respond, which is a conscious response to the now, not just the old learned reaction, the ability to respond. Mm -hmm. I like that. It sounds like the the full reacts and the master acts. But I like that the way you're playing with the word. Have you yeah. heard that? No, what was that? 
the the I think it was from the way the peaceful warrior, but it was mm-hmm. the the fool reacts and the master acts. Yes, yeah, it's that difference between reaction and responding that all traditions turn towards. And the more conscious we are, the more choice we have to respond in a healthy way and not in this automatic old way that we all grow up with. I think in the past, though, I also sort of um, watched a bit of any negative reactions instead of using that reaction as in a self-inquiry. I was like, well, I shouldn't be. I'll have to just squash that emotion down. Um, and from a lot of the work with I've done with you, the inquiry comes from allowing that to be, but you don't have to blast someone for it or collapse upon yourself, go, ooh, that's an interesting trigger. Park that. I'll come back to that when I've got time to inquire about that at a deeper level. And then then go into it and then a lot of the time that's where <clears throat> the gold or the the insight and and the deeper um, healing comes from is not going well i'm a muster i'm just acting i'm not going to react to that and squashing it but actually okay i'm going to allow that feeling that negative thing that sad angus jealous whatever it is to actually flow so i can get to what needs to be healed. And you're just touching there on another really crucial point. It's not about shutting anything down or putting a beautiful idea on top of something difficult or what is often done through positive thinking. We are facing exactly what is there. We are honest, we are real, we're working with the reaction. And then through that, the real transformation happens where we get in touch with something truly beautiful. So very important what you mentioned there, because many people try to get to good states through thinking positive or forgiveness or be grateful or whatever. But that is not the honest, real transformation that happens when we are actually real with what is there in us. And so we meet any reaction, open it up and through that go deeper. Very important point. Okay, um, so you mentioned some challenges already. You've mentioned some key learnings. Is there anything else around that issue of challenges you've overcome or key learnings you want to mention before we go into more detailed questions? Uh, one, one, another aha moment, which I'd never heard anywhere else. And it was a, you know, it was a euism. Um, um, and it was, most people deal with anxiety as it's and it, it's its own problem. And I've definitely had anxiety over the years and it would come and be in random spots and generally, and you told me keep an eye out for it and try and get to a point where you can welcome it. Usually it's when you're trying to block or hold back a negative emotion that you're not wanting to feel or um and i i heard that and was like okay well i'm not I, I can never really go well anxiety's coming but i could know when i'm feeling it um and i had a very unique 
I'll tell the story because it, it highlights it. It's quite a personal story in a way. It's very unique. But um, so I've been seeing you, I think, for a year at the stage. And um, I was DJing at this place. And a very weird thing happened where both my auntie and uncle were murdered. Um, and um, there was uh, the girl who was the the... They caught the, the murderer and the daughter of him would sometimes turn up at this gig that I had on the Friday night where I'm DJing and everything's fun. And um, my girlfriend at the time, um, she asked me, she was like, don't you get upset about, you know, don't you, that that woman, that girl, that murderer, the murderer of your auntie and uncle's daughter is at the gig and i was like no it's not her fault like you know it's her father who's the person like why would she have to take responsibility for his actions that's not fair and just like oh i would be i i would not want to see her and i'd be so annoyed with her and i was like mm. very quickly i felt within the next few minutes or whatever i was a bit anxious i was a bit I have to get ready for my gig and ready. I had hours to get ready, but I was just needed to busy myself and was in a bit of a, a tiz. Um, and I went, wait, this is a prelude for anxiety. Am I blocking anything? And I went, well, it sort of started after that conversation. That was kind of the trigger for it. It was like, hmm, okay. What I said, I was like, how do I feel about it? And I was like, actually, how I feel about it is I don't want to see her. I'm very uncomfortable when she's there. She reminds me of quite an uncomfortable feeling and a really bizarre, random thing which happened to my life. And it was that very uncomfortable, my beloved uncle, which I was very close with. And that's how I felt about it. Do I think any different? No, I still think it's not her fault. But how I felt about it was a different truth than how I think about it. How I felt about it, I need to acknowledge that that's how I felt in that moment instead of just intellectualizing it and just allowing that feeling to flow and having that sort of out breath push away energy. That's how I felt about it. Here's my boundary. I don't want to have that. It was very different to how, you know, and that was a very interesting insight into watching anxiety come not wanting to accept a, a, a emotional truth doesn't have to be. And then, the, and also the paradox of how I felt about it. So how I thought about it, because I still think that she's allowed to do what she wants to do and she's not responsible for her father. And it was a really key learning experience, but it also sort of primarily because of the anxiety but then also that you can have a feeling, but then think a different way to how you felt in that moment. But you still have to acknowledge that feeling and the paradoxical nature of that. Yeah. Exactly. And in that friction, when we have feelings that we don't want to consciously know and the mind thinks something otherwise, in that friction, anxiety can arise. And so one of the teachings around anxiety you're referring to is Anxiety is the messenger of repressed material. Yeah. So something that is not yet in consciousness, 
knocks on the door. So sometimes I call anxiety nearly like the postman, you know, wanting to deliver a parcel. And so we need to really learn to befriend anxiety and listen to it and what is really going on. When we get to that, anxiety as the messenger can dissolve because you're in touch with that deeper truth. So that's a really important piece of information you shared there and in very dramatic circumstances. There's been other times definitely when uh, anxiety knocked on the door and how the incongruency with how you think about life or what is your internal truth or how you feel about it. Um, but that I never heard or read in any exploring or any book anywhere else as treating anxiety or dealing with it as a as a messenger for an uncomfortable. It's not, I don't see it written anywhere in any of the psychological texts anyway. It's treated as a, you know, mm. a, a reduction in serotonin levels, but not yeah. enough to be depressed you know, in between. Yeah. And that's how it's treated. And so having this as a map and having that as a, that was a massive aha moment. And it's something which has come back again, like the we recreate our childhood traumas as a that's my experienced truth. And I can see it play out with other people, but they sort of don't necessarily come to the realization. Mm. <laughs> but now these are very deep insights. And like you're describing, they are not a thing you once get and then it's done. It's an understanding. You start applying more and more in your life. It's one of the tools in or in the toolkit. Both have been 100% tools in the toolkit. And, and there have been things which, once again, I haven't found or seen written in any of the other and I'm not saying I'm up to date with every single psychological text, but the, as an exp the experience of going through that is to me is true wisdom and and um, the difference between academic approaches and and um, and an experiential um, what do you call yourself? Guru. Nope, I don't. Holistic <laughs> 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 therapist. <laughs> Definitely uh, not a guru. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, holistic therapy. That's actually, I like that term. That's great. Yeah, that's, that's perfect. And that also points to, you know, my whole, when I studied psychology and was so bored and didn't get what I was looking for. And then I started doing groups and I had my own direct experience. I was like, that's where the learning happens. So I'm an absolute, for me, it, everything I learned is through direct experience. That's what I share. I would never share an empty theory. And that's what I do in sessions. As you know, you know, you gather your own direct experience and then through that, you connect more and more with your own inner wisdom. And direct experience is the best teacher. 100%. And there's an inner wisdom which guides it. Absolutely. Just... Absolutely. So, are you okay to go into some of the questions which are linked to the chapters in the book? Some we might have started oh. covering on already, but anyway, we can just have a look. So how would you describe the role of the mind in inner transformation? How has your mind helped you or how is it a friend in the work? Uh, well, the mind 
has in it, um, like I was sort of saying before, it, it can, you can think a certain way and then also uh, paradoxically feel a certain way against that, <laughs> which um, uh, I guess that is a friend and sometimes it can be a foe. Uh, your mind also has a lot of the memories, um, which you know, will, um, which will need to be worked on, and and have sort of the, the trapped energy from childhood things or or from unfinished business. So, the mind is a friend. Um, obviously, you have um, you know. Uh, beautiful moments with i guess that the to me the mind is that double-edged sword how um, do you use your mind in sessions to support the work and going in ah okay 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 um to be honest most of the time it it's led with an inner wisdom i feel and it's led with the body I find in the mind sort of as you're going in through the body and into the emotions, it leads back into a memory. That's the way it works for me generally. A lot of times I can be chattering. Like normally when I come into a session, I'll be like, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then we will go in. Mm -hmm. and sometimes it'll be related to what I'm talking about, but in a very roundabout way. So it's almost <laughs> like my conscious mind is kind of it's close but it's not there yet mm. but there's the inner wisdom which sort of guide it and then the insights which come through the mind are usually secondary mm. so i find work um when when the mind sort of slows down and sometimes i'm quite close the mind's like it's already in the ballpark it knows that there's something to do with this yeah. topic you know, um, could be powerlessness, uh, confidence. It could be, you know, uh, anger or sadness, fear, jealousy, you know, frustration. Mm. It could be any of those things. And you know that there's something energetically rattling um, by this, but you might not know why it's triggering something so deep. Yeah. Um, and I find but the wisdom which comes out of the mind after you've gone in and the memories which come up, that's where the mind is very helpful. Yeah, that's a Otherwise, beautiful aspect, exactly. The mind then connects the dots and makes sense of it and understands, ah, that's what we worked with. So it is often afterwards, the, the friendly part is that, yeah, the understanding. That is actually a key part of how the mind helps us in the work. It can help us understand and make sense of it. And also, like I did over the many decades now of doing the work, create laws and recipes, you know, so the mind can help with maps and all of that. That's one of its friendly functions. I, I like that word, map, because, and even like um, working with, with colors, a lot of time there's a color. Mm -hmm, exactly. And, you know, mind understands colors. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you're dropping, you were a very 
angry, frustrated rage and it's been repressed for a long time, it really does un- be understood with the red. Yes. It really is. Yes. Yeah, it's in your eye, you really see red. Yeah. And, you know, yes, we, we see. Yeah, yeah, as you say, with, right. uh, yeah. as, as a like I saw red, when you go into it as an essential quality, as a central nature, as a non-repressed raw emotion, which is part of our, our makeup, it is, I've, I've experienced it as red. I've had the black essence, which is really black and distilling and peaceful and expansive mm. and delicious. And usually when you're in that essential nature, all of the different wisdoms, the pearls of wisdom inside it um, come out. And I think that the mind as a friend uh, in sessions like that is, is, is very valuable. Yeah. Yeah, we, it definitely has to cooperate. Otherwise, I mean, you wouldn't even come to a session if your mind wouldn't be open to, you know, to do some healing. So it is an important part. How would you describe the role of the physical body in the sessions? Well, I think that was um, one of my friends when I described what we do. She said it's very similar to a gestalt therapy. Mm-hmm. And she'd be working with that. Um, uh, the body for me is how I still knew that there was, there's always, oh, there's something to learn because I have a physical sensation in my soul. Exactly. Yes. For me, I really genuinely feel it as a physical sensation. Yeah. I knew. Um, and I knew too that I needed to do work because I, I kept on having physical sensations of a pain in my chest and like a knife in my solar plexus. And that's how it feels. And yeah. I was like, and, and when I started a new relationship, I was like, well, I don't want to bring, I recognize that I have work to do, but I'm busy at the moment. And then I started a new relationship years ago. I was like, well, I don't want to bring I want my side of the table to be clean. You know, and I recognize that I have stuff because because it, it feels like a rock on my chest mm. and uh, I feel like a, a knife in my soul plexus. And when we have done sessions, I remember the first few things you please describe in detail, the sensation in your solar plexus. Yeah. And it was always an access point. Mm. And that is another aspect we haven't mentioned before. That's where the mind is the friend because it is through the mind that we then describe these specific sensations or the images or the location in the body. So the mind is a very crucial ingredient in doing all of this. And the mind is a focus. Yeah. Yeah. Your reality is dictated to what you bring your attention to. Exactly. Actually consciously bringing your attention to that little, that little, Pain in the solar plexus, yeah. which feels like a knife, a hot knife. Now it feels like lava's there. Yeah. Now we're going, <laughs> and now I'm angry, yeah. or oh, I'm sad, or why can't yeah. I stop crying? But it's from that bringing that attention to and consciously going in with intention to understand. 
Exactly. Let's say a bit more in the whole realm of feeling. That was the original intention when we talked about uh, doing an interview. Like you have so much learning around the art of feeling and emotions. Tell us a bit more about that. It, it, I think it's it's almost the way in starts off as as a physical sensation, but generally then it, as you sort of focus on it, it always for me has led to to emotional um i'd say integration it started with because i think i very much judged you know probably too much star wars don't let the anger take you over it's the dark side of the force um, <laughs> so it was very much a you know that's bad these are bad emotions these yeah. are good emotions and and a very much um you know don't cry you're a strong boy boys don't cry um you know you can't be scared mm. and for me it, it came it was very much a i think when i came to you it was a toxic backload of uh, i think i was 26 when i started seeing it would have been um and there was a, a backload of emotions which just i didn't know i wouldn't allow myself to feel or you just sort of push them down or busy yourself or with something else. And sitting with those emotions, I think the first um, was just sadness. The first few mm. months sessions was, was all just sadness. And then it shifted to anger. I had to allow myself to befriend anger mm. and allow myself to, you know, find out that, where that anger came from or what it was and underneath all of that was fear mm. uh, i had to become friends with fear it took me years to get to terror yeah and it's still not i still don't like scary movies i'm not i won't say i'm fantastically friends with terror uh, i have met him slash her um and you know i don't think we're pals but i've gotten better with um allowing that as an experience yeah. and getting less judgment of them that inner realm the inner emotions uh and the complicated ones but then it's also you know the further you go into anything allowing complete and utter uh, hopelessness mm. or frustration or the, the ones which are very difficult to sit with and allowing them to be, giving them a voice, giving them a, a, an emotional voice, I'll say, and giving that space and allowing yourself to be, well, whole. Yes, <laughs> exactly. What you're describing there is such a beautiful part of this journey of becoming whole, like learning to feel everything. First the sadness, then the anger, then the fear, then the terror, and then all variations. And eventually you are okay with whatever you're feeling, which is a state of wholeness. So it was very beautiful in you to watch that also, you know, how you step by step reclaim these different emotions. And then we would go deeper again. And so thanks for sharing that. Thanks for helping guide those. My I pleasure. Don't, 
Um, let's talk just a little bit about the inner child. And then I want to talk more about true nature. Um, the inner child was something which I knew conceptually, I think from Jung and, and, uh, and I think Freud did a bit on it. Um, but to feel, to go into and, and, and feel those emotions, which because you are told what to do and you just blindly believe it, that's the way zero to five, your brain is wired, just goes straight in. Mm. Um, to allow him the space which wasn't allowed then to to um the comfort and console uh those parts whilst they were developing i try and use the analogy if i'm trying to explain to somebody else it's almost like um as your psyche is growing like hair follicles and then if it gets knocked and then that hair follicle um can be like a uh, ingrown hair and it can get all pussy and it's all and then we will always have a sensitivity and like a red pussy very sensitive out oh, hurts there mm. uh, area from our developed psyche and it's almost like the universe comes along and squeezes it but you have to go straight to that specific hair follicle which is bent over and discombobulated and and all pussy and it has to squeeze out for it to pop out get all the toxic pus yeah. out and Good image. It can grow yeah and it can grow naturally um and the word child is if it, you know, is that pussy thing mm. uh, and going to console it and, and bring attention to it is, is the balm, is the, the, the squeezing um, and allowing that and going, it's going to be fine, treating it. And, and uh, um, I find that is a, a way, a nice I love that. I haven't heard that image before, but it's amazing to use that because the, the pus is the wound and then the hair comes out and can grow because we are, when we store a memory that is incomplete, we do encapsulate memories and sometimes they're even completely locked away. Sometimes I use the example of the safety storage box, you know, in a vault. So the, the harder ones are really locked away and we don't even remember. And then you unpack and bring that part back. And then that inner, that aspect of the inner child can heal and grow. Or sometimes if it's even called flowering, which is a term I also like. So that's a good image you gave there. Yeah. Um, also quite a good, like it's a, I think that analogy is probably going back to the, the question about how's the mind, it's a map. Yeah, it's a way of exactly. exactly. And then it helps. Okay, let's talk a little bit about true nature and your direct experience of states of true nature. What are they like for you? Reclaiming the sort of repressed parts. Each has its own gift of true nature. Talk a bit its more about it. 
how each part, repressed part, has its own gifts. Yeah, so very much. Um, so, say for example, we were talking earlier about the the red essence. So it's almost like um, when I had repressed all of that anger, being a, a child of the youngest of four and being sort of smaller, you have to repress your anger because it's mm. if you fight back, you're going to get crushed. Yeah. So you get you repressing that. Um, to a point where in a safe place years later as an adult, I'm allowed to express that unresolved anger and that repressed anger. And then as you're allowing that to flow, um, underneath there's a, it's almost like a reclaiming that essential self, that the, the basic essence of part of yourself, which you have chopped off, all of a sudden when it's allowed to flow again, it's that, that hair follicle analogy, that hair can grow again. And when that energies, and, and they really are essential nature. So I found from the inner work that we've done, underneath each shadow, there is light. It's almost like removing a, a block mm -hmm. internally, an energetic block. And when I say an energetic block, it can be a repressed emotion so an emotional block if you're once you can open that uh the you can then again feel love and joy more purely yeah. uh, so that is the love and joy for example are intrinsic qualities of true nature and they get freed up when the blockages are removed any other states you can remember that you experience that are when you feel at your best or fully connected? Oh, definitely. Like, and I, I think that each sort of, like one thing I think, uh, which was also another, the black essence, um, which I, once again, have never read anywhere or seen anywhere, um, but have experienced it. Um, a lot of people talk about yellow being very joyful and, and happy and funny. And I've experienced that, um, mm -hmm. but I think I have decent uh, hold of that already. Um, white was a very um, sort of loving, embracing, encompassing uh, feeling. And look, some of, sometimes a white would come after going into a physical stabbing pain, mm -hmm. which would then turn into a complete and utter abandonment or mm -hmm. sadness. Underneath that sadness and abandoned feeling was complete and utter joy and enveloping white light. Yeah. But the only way to access point was through that. I've got a weird stabby feeling in my tummy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So. Okay. Now let's talk a little bit about what would be one tool or resource you would like our listeners to take away from today. Just something simple that they could start experimenting with or pondering on. What would that be? I think probably the biggest thing, if we've sort of touched on a lot of things, but the, one of the biggest is... Um, allowing whatever is there and taking responsibility for what we're attracting 
and our reactions to things. If you can, very easy to say, very hard to do in the moment, especially when more difficult, powerful, unresolved emotions come roaring up. It's very hard to just give yourself that second to breathe and go, ooh, there's something to learn here instead of going, yeah, an asshole. <laughs> yeah, most people yeah. do. Most people do that. They go, ooh, something to learn here. Mm. Um, most people will fly into an unconscious rage and not think to look at themselves. I love um, that. That's a really great tool to accept what is there and take responsibility. I love that. So we've come to the end of our time together. It was really enjoyable to talk with you and hear your insights. And thank you for today. Thank you for today. Thank you for the last 15 years. <laughs> <laughs> I see you in your next session. Yes, okay. okay. Forward to Have it. a great rest of the day. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Becoming Whole podcast. My passion is to make this world a better place. And that starts with each one of us feeling and being well. If this podcast has helped you, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Leaving a review also helps others find the podcast. My new book, Becoming Whole, The Art of Inner Transformation, is available on Booktopia and Amazon. For more information, check out my website, inneralchemy.com.au or find me on Facebook.